We are continuing a series uh, called Fear Not. Uh, and if you want to follow along with us, the notes for today's message are in the YouVersion Bible app. So you can hop on there, tap the events tab, and follow along with us today. Um, in this series, Fear Not, we're talking about uh, the different fears that we may face, how to overcome them, what the Bible says about them, and things like that. And I want to talk about um, two of the most, I want to start out by talking about two of the most common fears that you'll see. Um, how many of you would say, I'm afraid of snakes? Okay, anybody here afraid of snakes? Yeah. Um, fear of snakes is one of the most popular ones. A lot of people don't like them. They slither around. Why you ain't got no legs is the kind of thing we think about. They just kind of slither around. No joke, I had a, a girl I knew when I was younger. She was so deathly terrified of snakes, she could not look at a picture of one in her biology book. She would burst into tears and had to close the book really. She just couldn't handle it. Um, anybody here afraid of spiders? Spiders, your trigger? Okay, yeah. Um, this is how it faces for a, a, a lot of people. My brother, if you know my brother, my brother, he's a six foot four. He's four years younger than me, but he's way more manly than I am. Okay, he's six foot four. He's about 220 something pounds. Uh, he's got a beard that just makes me take 10 points off of my man card already. Um, but he is just, he's a, he's a manly man, but he is terrified of spiders. Um, anytime we even talk about spiders, he's like, would you stop it? I just can't. Um, he's just terrified of them. And this is a, this is a true story. When we were kids, I don't know, I don't know how we got to this point, but uh, we were hanging out with my parents. I think we were helping them clean something. I don't, the details, uh, I laughed too hard to remember the details of this story, but we're helping my parents clean. And I don't know how my dad acquired this particular item. I want to tell you, if you are really, really, really afraid of spiders to the point you can't see them, you may want to close your eyes for a minute. Have somebody next to you say, hey, nudge me when he's done. Because I don't know how, but my dad acquired this, okay? This is a tarantula in, I guess, acrylic or glass or something. Um, and it's perfectly preserved. I don't know how well you can see it with the lights and from up here, but... Um, up close, this thing's terrifying. You know, the, nobody ever looks at the back of the, the, the bottom of the spider. This is like the face of evil right here. Right here. And um, I don't know how my dad acquired this, but he did. And me and my brother are doing our thing over here. My dad sneaks up and just gently places this like on the coffee table and then walks away. And my brother turns around and screams. <laughs> I'm talking, this is not like a scream okay this is a blood curling <laughs> scream of somebody being murdered in their backyard and then the next thing i know is there was a steven shaped hole in the wall and there was nothing but a trail of smoke it scared him so badly we were talking actually backstage uh, in the green room because i brought this in anytime you bring this somewhere it's a conversation piece right and i sat this down and uh, uh we were talking about it and everybody was sharing just different Topics on spiders, you know, how like some, somebody was saying, you know, one time I saw a spider, I squished it, didn't know it had babies, and spiders went everywhere, right? We've all had that reoccurring nightmare, right? Now, now all of you in your Sunday afternoon nap, you're toast, right? You're going to be dreaming of spiders all day long. Fear is just a natural part of all of our lives. And you may not be afraid of spiders or snakes. You may have a fear of death. You may have a fear of heights. People say the number one fear uh, for a lot of people is public speaking. Second is death, which means a lot of you would rather die before being up here on this stage. 
And fear is just part of our human nature. And one specific fear I want to spend my time on this morning is the fear of man. And that's actually what we're going to center our whole topic around today is the fear of man. And I'm not just talking about a man dressed up in a clown costume or Freddy Krueger, not that kind of fear. But what I'm talking about is found in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25. This is what it says. This is the NLT version. Fearing people is a dangerous trap. Everybody say trap. Okay. Fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means safety. The word trap used in this verse is from the Hebrew word mokesh, which literally means a noose used for trapping animals, for catching them. Fear of man, fear of people is literally a trap. And what I mean by that is the fear of what they may think about us, the fear of how they may view us, the fear of what they may say to us, how we view other people, our interactions with other people, being intimidated, peer pressured, those types of things. And before I go too deep into this, I want to let you know that caring about what people think is a good thing to a degree. Having a good reputation is valuable. Um, It's not wrong to want to be liked. It's also extremely important to listen to other people, to have counsel, to have friends who are sharpening you and making you better, to have mentors, to have people who are investing in your life. But what happens is, what the problem usually is, is that we tend to care more about what other people think than about what God thinks of us. We have an unhealthy craving for people's approval. When we have a toxic fear of people's rejection, when it gets to that point, when we start basing our decisions and the things that we're doing on what other people will say about us, it becomes an unhealthy view of relationships. Ultimately, this puts people in the place of God in our lives. And if you think about it, this could even be considered a form of idolatry. What is an idol? An idol is anything we put ahead of God. And so with our relationships, with our views of people, with our, how, how we interact with one another, with the decisions that we're making, even when it comes to our relationship with God, when we are basing those decisions on what other people think, we have now moved their opinion ahead in the ranking in place of God. Chances are, all of us here have a little bit of people pleaser in us. Okay? And so I want to talk very quickly about the four types of people pleasers. Now, I want to have some fun with this, okay? I know it's the nine o'clock crowd, and it's a cold winter morning, and so y'all haven't fully woken up yet. Maybe you haven't been completely caffeinated. Maybe you're a, a little nervous, okay? But I want to have some fun with this this morning, okay? So the first type of, of people pleaser I want to talk about is the doormat, okay? This is the doormat. This is the I'll do anything for anybody. I will say yes, yes, yes. I'm a yes man, all right? These people say yes to everything and put other people's needs constantly ahead of their own. I don't know if you guys are into like meme culture or anything, or if you like just scrolling Instagram or Facebook or, or the internet, Pinterest, whatever, and looking at memes. Um, I, I do. I find them really funny. And so each one of these people pleasers, I'm going to relate to a meme because memes are relatable, right? And so this is the first one I want to show you, Okay. This is what it says, no cookie unless you have five bites of chicken. All the parents can say amen there. 
Okay, no cookies unless you have three bites of chicken. We're automatically compromising our lives. I will give you the entire sleeve of cookies if you lick the chicken, okay? This is giving in. This is saying, yes, okay, sure, whatever you say, we'll do it. You just lick the chicken, okay? I will give you what you want. Yes, people have zero ability to say the word no. And if they do say no, they end up feeling guilty about it. They can't sleep like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe I, I said no to that. He asked me to help and I said no. Oh, I feel so guilty. They say yes to everything. Can you bring snacks to the game? Yes. Can you, can you loan me $5? Yes. Can, can you babysit my kids? Yes. Can you give me a piggyback ride? Yes. Okay, we have this innate ability just to have to say yes to everything. But people who say yes all the time end up getting bitter inside, but will never tell anybody because they're too much of a people pleaser. They're the doormat. They have to say yes. To everyone else around them, people will look at them and go, oh my gosh, they have such a servant's heart. They just love serving people. But on the inside, they know I'm, I'm just trying to make people happy. I just want people to, to, to accept me. And acceptance is me doing stuff for them. Acceptance is me saying, okay, I can do that. And their actions aren't always genuine. They tend to do things out of obligation. And so as we talk about these four things, hopefully you're starting to identify maybe which ones you are. Number two is the chameleon. The chameleon says, I'll change for everybody, okay? Doesn't matter where, I will fit wherever I'm at. These are the people that um, they can adjust to whoever's around them. They, they're going to be in this group of people. They're going to start to act like that group of people. They're going to hang out with their work friends. They're going to act like them. They're with their family. They're going to act like that. This is the meme I found for this one, okay? Uh, let's, day four, they still haven't noticed I'm an eggplant. going to take you a minute. Yep. Third one over is an eggplant, not a Pepsi. Nobody realized it, right? This is a chameleon. They want to blend in with their surroundings. They want to blend in with the people around them. When they're at work and their work friends are talking about whatever, they're going to fit into that conversation. And oftentimes the chameleon gets really good at being two-faced. And they don't really necessarily intend to do it with evil intentions or try to be a bad person. They're just trying to please people. They're just trying to fit in. They're just trying to be accepted. When they're with their church friends, they act like church people. When they at work, they talk differently. When they're around their artsy friends, they got to sound artsy. When they're with their friends who like sports, they yell, go sports, okay? They just want to be accepted. And the main reason some people do this is because they're afraid of what people might think of them if people really knew who they were. And so they feel like they have to become a chameleon. Number three, the bull. I'll never change for anyone, okay? Now, men, this typically is the one we categorize ourselves in. It's because we tend to get bullheaded. This type cares so much about what people think, they don't know what they're supposed to do. And so they're like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna stand my ground and be stubborn. This is, this is the picture I found for this one. Greatest sign ever. This year, thousands of men will die from stubbornness. No, we won't. This is a lot of us. We want to be so stubborn. You, you, you're, not gonna, you're not gonna get me to do what you want, want me to do. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna do whatever I wanna do. They have an image to uphold. They're, they're like, I'll go to church, but I'm not gonna like get into it, right? I'm not gonna like lift my hands and stuff. That's kind of awkward. Don't ask me to pray over anybody. I'm not gonna like 
you know, every time, every time that pastor gets up there and says, you know, high five the person next to you, you're just like, I ain't going to do it. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it's germs, but I'm just not going to do it. Okay? I'll sing a little bit, but come on. I can't sing, and I don't want her to know I can't sing. It's difficult, though, to live a passionate life for God and care about our image. It's difficult. It's a fine line to balance with that. Even David was dancing naked in the streets about God. His wife said, stop. He goes, I'll become more undignified than this. Okay? David was a bull personality. But God is always calling us to be more passionately. I can promise you this. If you're going through a crisis, if your spouse or child or loved one is on their deathbed, if you're struggling in a major way in your life, do you want somebody coming to pray over you and praying a really stagnant, all put together, buttoned up, quoted prayer? Or would you rather them call down fire and pray passionately and earnestly I think we want people with passion. Number four, the peacekeeper. This one says, I'll make everyone happy, okay? I'll do whatever you need. I'm just, I'll say yes to these people. I'll say no to these people. Whatever it is, I just want to keep the peace. Just keep everybody happy. They over-apologize. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I just didn't want to make anybody mad. I just, I just want everybody to get along. I saw this, this earlier this week. This is the picture I saw for this one. It says this, me trying to ask someone for a favor. Hey, could you help me with this thing? Absolutely no pressure, though. Totally okay if you can't. If you'd rather run me over with a car, that's cool. Are you mad at me? Okay. The over-apologizer, the peacekeeper. I just want to keep everything together. I don't want to ruffle any feathers. I'm, I'm going to ask what I need to ask, but I'm internally freaking out, afraid that you're going to think something differently of me. They avoid confrontation and conflict. However, conflict and confrontation is part of life. We're going to face it. Here's the truth. You can't have a great marriage without confrontation. You can't. You can't have close friendships without confrontation. You can't parent well without confrontation. I'm not a parent yet but I've been around teenagers long enough to know they want to do their own thing. And sometimes you got to say no. And sometimes there's confrontation there. And so you have to just understand confrontation is part of it. The Apostle Paul knew what it was like to feel disapproval from other people. Um, in Galatians, there's this huge disagreement happening with the church of Galatia on how a person becomes a child of God. Some people say it's by circumcision. Some people say obeying the entire law. Some people say both, and some people are saying neither. But Paul comes out with boldness. And a lot of people have, have back and forth opinions of how Paul is. A lot of people think Paul is a mean guy in the Bible. But Paul is honestly, he's just bold and he's unfiltered. And Paul comes back and says that it is by faith in Jesus alone. And at this point in history, at this specific church, this was a bold and controversial statement. That he is saying it is through faith alone. Don't worry about that stuff. Don't worry about that stuff. Trust in Jesus. Put faith in Jesus. This is what it says. Galatians chapter 1, verse 10. Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If it, 
If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. If pleasing people were the goal, I'm not trying to win the approval of people. I'm not trying to win a popularity contest. I don't care what they think. I'm trying to please God because at the end of the day, that's what really matters. And if you're a note taker, I want you to write this down because I think this is so important for us to remember. When people become too big, God becomes too small. When people become too big, God becomes too small. This goes back to the point I made earlier. When we allow people's opinions and when we take what they have to say and put that in place of what God says we are, then we've turned people, the relationships, our opinions, their opinions, into an idol in our lives. This is why this matters. You can't always please God and please people at the same time. Oftentimes, they find themselves in conflict of one another. God's word says this, people want to do this. God is speaking to you, I need you to do this, but people will look at you this way if you do that. Those two things are often in conflict with one another. And the truth is we have one shot on this planet. We have one shot. Average lifespan is about 70, 75 years old. We got that many years. We got one shot. It's a, it's a drop in the water compared to all the history that has been and all that probably will be. And so we have one shot to do something with our life to make an impact for God, to be who God has called us to be, and we don't have time to waste it. Let me ask you guys to imagine something. Imagine for a minute if every person in this room our sole purpose was to please God instead of other people. Imagine if that was our sole purpose. That's all we put our energy toward. We didn't worry about what other people thought of us. We didn't worry about our status, whatever our status is in the community or your school or your workplace. We, we didn't pay attention to the opinions of other people, but instead we said, God, I'm going to give you all of that attention. I'm going to put everything towards you. Imagine the lives that could be changed because of that. Imagine the people that would be reached. Imagine the, the culture that would be impacted. Imagine dreams that would be fulfilled. If I was a betting man, there were probably people in this room who have, been, have a dream inside them. They have a passion inside of them that is going unfulfilled because simply you are worried about giving up certain things, giving up status, giving up this and that to pursue that. Imagine dreams that would be fulfilled. Imagine that internal thirst getting quenched by just working to please God. Imagine the freedom that you could have every day. So how do we live to please God and not fear man? I'll spend the rest of my 10 minutes talking on these two things. The first one is this. How do we live to please God, not man? Number one, be clear about where you're going. You have to be clear. You have to know the direction you're headed. You have to understand what it is you're going to. You have to know exactly where you're going. A lot of you guys probably know this, but the last three years or so, we have taken a group of high schoolers and, and our leaders to China. And I remember the first year that we went to China, um, I, you know, as you can imagine, Going to a country like that, to a place like that, is intimidating the first time. Um, you're 8,000 miles away from anybody you know. You are in a place that most people don't speak your language that well. 
uh, all the signage, the road signs, the directional signs, all that stuff is in another language. Um, you're barely holding on to a cell service sometimes because of your international data plan. You, you want to milk that as long as you can. And I remember the first year we went being very nervous as we were going. It wasn't the flight that was making me nervous. It wasn't the, 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 the mission work that we were doing there. But it was, how in the world am I going to navigate this place? How in the world am I supposed to lead a group of people when I don't even know how I'm going myself? We were very fortunate that first year to have uh, Dr. Q. Some of you know him, some of you don't. Dr. Q heads up all the mission trips and stuff for all of our campuses across the state. We were very fortunate. There was actually somebody, we were partnering up with another campus, and somebody on that team dropped out, and Dr. Q said, I'll go. I, I, you know, I haven't been this year. I'll go with you guys, show you how everything works, and show you where everything is. And that trip was amazing because Dr. Q had been, he's been to China almost 60 times by that point. He's been to this place probably 40-something times. He knows everything. He knows where all the great restaurants are. He knows where all the cool landmarks are. He knows where people congregate so we can do mission work. He knew all that stuff. So all week long, I am following Dr. Q around like a lost little puppy, just wanting, you know, just soaking it all in. Because I knew the very next year, I'd be sending a team back on my own, and I need to know where these things are. I needed to have clear direction. I knew that if I went there that first year and I tried to do everything on my own, we would be lost. We'd probably still be in China. But I knew if I followed somebody who had blazed the path and knows what he's doing, then I could have confidence leading other people behind me the next year. There are a lot of people here that we rely so much on other people's opinions because we have no idea where we're going. We, we rely, we're, at, we're constantly stopping and asking people for directions in our own life because we don't know where we're going. And so we're always asking for people's opinions of where, do you, where should I go? What, you know, this is, this is where I'm at in my life. Can you tell me where I should be going next? Instead of having a clear direction on where we need to go. We've been two times since then. And by the time last year rolled around and we went, I knew exactly, I didn't have to look at a map. I didn't have to do anything. I went straight from our place to the school, to our favorite brunch spot, to all these different things, because I was confident in knowing where I was going. And the ability to know where I was going allowed me to lead other people. We can't lead unless we have clear direction. Acts chapter 5, verse 29 says this, Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than humans. By the way, this is after Peter had denied Jesus three times. Peter was a recovering people pleaser. Earlier, he found himself in a situation and said, hey, aren't you that guy? You're that guy who, who hung out with Jesus. And he goes, no, he became a chameleon in that moment. He said, no, 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 that's not, that's not me. You're thinking of somebody else. But you fast forward a couple books and you find out that Peter is saying, it doesn't matter what people think, it matters what God thinks. Because he understood following man had only brought him guilt, pain, and heartache, but following Jesus gave him clarity he had never known before. The rapper Lecrae said it this way, if you live for people's acceptance, you'll die from their rejection." If you live for people's acceptance, you'll die from their rejection. There's an example of that. Instagram 
began rolling out last year this new feature that hides how many likes a person receives. So if you get on Instagram, uh, this, this may be for some of you, it hasn't rolled out to everybody yet, but you can get on Instagram and as you're scrolling through your feed, usually it used to say uh, 1,000 people liked this post. Well, now it'll say liked by a friend of yours and others. It won't tell you how many. And the reason why is because they started doing studies and realized that social media had become so competitive, it had become unhealthy for people. So many people were worried more about how many likes they got, how many comments, the algorithm, that they were basing their lifestyle on that number of little hearts they got on their social media. And so Instagram said, if we want to survive, now listen, they were doing it purely for financial reasons. If we want to survive as a business, we've got to fix this problem. Why? Because people are, are desperate for clarity in their lives. And they're basing it off the number of likes. If this many people like it, that means that must be good. I'll continue to do this. But if only a couple of people like this, that must be bad and I'll stay away from that. And it may be a great business model in some ways, but it's a terrible way to live our lives. Number two, the second way that we can please God is be careful about who you listen to. Be careful about who you listen to. One of my favorite quotes on this topic is by Henry Ford, and I'm sure some of you guys have heard this before. Henry Ford said this, if I would have asked people what they wanted, they would have said, we want faster horses. And the car may have never been invented. Why? Because people are wrong. We are humans. We are incorrect. We are flawed people. And so when we put our attention on what God wants, things can change. I'm going to ask you guys to do something, okay? A little crowd participation here, all right? Um, I need you guys just to start talking. Talk to the person next to you, recite a movie quote, song lyrics, I don't care. Just everybody talk. Everybody at once, just start talking. Come on, take, I need you to really start talking. Come on, some of y'all staring at me, just talk to yourself. I don't care. Just be noisy for a minute. Just everybody talk, talk. Come on, recite the alphabet, twinkle, twinkle, little star. I don't care. It doesn't matter. Just start talking. Keep going. Okay, y'all can stop now. Some of you are like, dude, that was really uncomfortable and outside my comfort zone. <laughs> can we never do that again? Okay. How many of you can tell me what I said? Oh, nobody? <laughs> y'all couldn't understand what I was saying? Because y'all were talking? And you were hearing other people's voices though, right? How many know what the person next to you was kind of saying? Okay, yeah, a lot of you, yeah? How many of you knew what you were saying and it was gibberish and you were uncomfortable doing it all, Okay. Why could you not understand what I was saying? It's because the noise around you was too loud. I didn't have a mic in my hand for that part. The point there is this. Oftentimes the crowd around us be, becomes so loud we can't hear the voice of God. Oftentimes the crowd that surrounds us, the people that we surround ourselves, the opinions of other people become so loud. And it's not, look, you guys were not screaming. You weren't yelling. It was a normal conversations happening in here. But it still was enough to drown out the voice that was on stage. So often we go through our normal lives, normal conversations, and we are so busy 
and distracted by listening to the voices around us that we can't hear the still, quiet whisper that Jesus is trying to speak to us. One of my favorite stories about this is in the Old Testament. Elijah is trying to hear from God, and there's an earthquake, and there's wind, and there's fire. And he, God wasn't in any of that stuff, but he was in a still, small voice. And a lot of us are, are honed in to the loudest voice that we hear, and we're neglecting the voice that matters. There's a perfect example of this in Luke chapter 23. Jesus is standing before Pilate, and I'm going to read this, verse 18 through 25. I'm going to read this quickly. So this, then a mighty roar rose from the crowd, and with one voice they shouted, kill him and release Barabbas to us. Barabbas was a prisoner uh, in prison for taking part in insurrection in Jerusalem against the government for murder. Pilate argued with them because he wanted to release Jesus, but they kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him. For the third time he demanded, why? What crime has he committed? I found no reason to sentence him to death. So I would have him flogged and then release him. Pilate was ready to just let Jesus go. The mob shouted louder and louder, demanding that Jesus be crucified, and their voices prevailed. So Pilate sentenced Jesus to die as they demanded. As they had requested, he released Barabbas, the man in prison for insurrection and murder. But he turned Jesus over to them to do as he wanted, as he wished. Pilate knew what he needed to do, but let the crowd talk him out of it. He is the picture-perfect version of a people-pleaser. And we all see a little bit of ourselves in Pilate, a person who knows what he should do on the verge of doing it but listens to the crowd around us, gets controlled by the voices. The crowd literally talked Pilate into killing an innocent man. We have to be careful who we listen to. Not everyone is seeking God's will for your life. Not everyone around you has your best interest in mind. Not everyone cares about you. Just because you can hear a voice doesn't mean you should be listening to it. Listen to the voice that God wants for your life. Closing with this, thankfully Jesus knows what it feels like to be rejected. He understands this part of it. Psalm 118 verse 22 says this, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. Isaiah 53.3 says this, he was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows acquainted with deepest grief. 1 Peter 2, 4 says, He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. Jesus was rejected so that you could be accepted, condemned so that you could be approved. And today, I think every person in here needs to know that God's approval is available for you. I mentioned earlier that I think we see a lot of ourselves in Pilate, but the truth is we should, we should see a lot of ourselves in Barabbas. Barabbas is the one in that story who most resembles us. We don't know a lot about Barabbas, but what we do know is he was a murderer, a thug, and a leader of an insurrection. More importantly, he was worthy of the chains and death penalty that he had been sentenced to. Jesus wasn't. But just like us, Barabbas found himself free because he took 
because Jesus took his place. We often as Christians look at Barabbas and go, you know, why in the world would the crowd want to free him? After everything that he did, the people he killed, the, the revolt he brought up, why would, why would they free him? But we could also say the same thing about us. Why would we be traded for Jesus? We're, we're the ones who have sinned. We're the ones who have messed up. We are the ones who are not worthy of what God has for us. We should be the one sentenced. We should be the one. But yet Jesus takes our place and took it willingly. So how do we get approval? It's not from our acts. What we do, we, we can't earn it. It's not by striving and striving really hard. Here's how you get the approval. Faith in Jesus. That's why we're called believers and not achievers. We're called believers because we're putting our faith in Jesus. Hebrews eleven six says this, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible. I want you guys to bow your heads with me this morning.